In this session three, I'm going to talk about Yoga Nidra. Um, my gaze might wander a few times because I've got a few notes here <laughs> that I've made to uh, make sure I get across the salient points as I see them around Yoga Nidra. So as I say, if my gaze wanders, please excuse me, but uh, I can't actually memorise it. I didn't even try, no I can't. <laughs> So I'm going to be looking at these notes, but anyway. So today we're going to talk about Yoga Nidra. Okay, so Yoga Nidra is an ancient relaxation and restorative practice that employs various embodying and visualization techniques. That's the classical yoga, uh, classical Yoga Nidra. It takes the mind to a deeply meditative state where the person is aware and conscious but deeply relaxed and if you hook somebody up in yoga nidra the state of consciousness called yoga nidra to those uh, brain machines you'll see the brain wave that signifies that the person is asleep but they're not fully fully awake and conscious but deeply deeply relaxed this level of consciousness has restorative effects on the body such as reduction in blood pressure, cortisol levels and reduction of symptoms of insomnia, anxiety, depression, addiction and PTSD. And I've found this through my work for the past 15 years working with Yoga Nidra and Sandy. The Nidra has the effect of disarming our normal psychological and emotional defences such as distraction and denial while promoting shifts out of the egoic level of consciousness that has such emphasis in the West into other levels of consciousness that are hardly recognised at all in the West in the mainstream but are well documented and mapped out in the great wisdom traditions such as Buddhism, Yoga, Sufism and also the altered states of consciousness of shamanism and other practices. And it's this shifting out of this egoic level of consciousness that is just so crucial because it is in, as I explained before, it's in that level of consciousness, the egoic level, that our suffering is. So the shifting out and which yoga nidra promotes releases us from suffering while the practice is happening. So my initial meeting with Yoga Nidra was in the classical tradition. But about three years ago, maybe two years, I did a course with a woman called Uma Dinsmore Tully in her total Yoga Nidra training course because I wanted to get somebody who'd been working in it and Uma has deeply immersed in it for a long time and he uses contemporary approaches and my golly, I got that with Uma, some great teaching, great experience, and it really opened me up um, to more contemporary practices. So I've been working, refining, researching with this for about 15 years in my work as a transperson psychotherapist and Nada yoga teacher. 
Nada is the Sanskrit word for sound. And through the practice of sounding and yoga nidra, I go deeply into the effects of the healing effects of sound and music, which are researched in my MA in 2002-2004 and continued ever since. So the next session that I'll do after this one will be the practice of sounding in Yoga Nidra. So I thought I'd use the rest of this session to help understand and prepare for what you do to do the practice, how you prepare. So first, consider where you will be when you do the practice. So you find somewhere that you can set up for yourself that is private. You can close the door and you make sure that anybody around does not interrupt you for those 30 minutes roughly that the practice takes. And you can let people know, don't disturb me, whatever. There's nothing so important that it can't wait for 30 minutes while you have that precious time for your peace and calm. So you need, well, it wouldn't need, but it would be good for you to at least sort of five, ten minutes before the practice to set it up and five minutes after just to process. So once you've established a spot, that becomes your regular place. So the body and the mind knows this place is where I do my yoga nidra and I'm going to do it all the time when I'm here doing it like this. It can be in a bedroom, you know, whatever. But as long as it's private and it's quiet. Safety, this is really important. Your feeling of safety, that you won't be disturbed. The practice opens the heart. So to not be disturbed is vitally important where you can allow your heart to open. And then when you finish, be aware that your heart is open and that when you go back out into the world, to be aware of that's really important. Now you can either lie down on a bed or a sofa or the floor or sit in a chair. Lying down is ideal um, because then the body can totally rest. But if you don't, if that's not able for whatever reason, then sitting is fine. But if you do lay down, lay down with your legs straight in front of you, just slightly apart, and your arms down by your side, slightly apart from your body with your palms facing upward. And maybe a cushion or a bolster under your head, cushion would be good. And then a bolster or a cushion under your knees just to flex the lower back, as this really helps. Yeah, so. That's that's a physical thing, but also it's important that you're warm. So you can cover yourself with a blanket and that real feeling of being held is, is just so important. The ideal time is in the morning, first thing when you wake up or late at night, just before you go to sleep. And these two times of the day are important because human activity is reduced. And when there's a lot of bustle and stuff going on, it can be quite difficult to access. But first thing in the morning or last thing at night is really good. 
So to recap, kind of five minutes before you do the practice, do the practice 20 minutes, say, and then five minutes after. So it's about 30 minutes. And this is a, a beautiful time for you to rest, to relax, time to let go, to surrender. What a gift to give to yourself. So I wish you well in your practice. And if you wish for more information, you can go to my website, www.russelloliverstone.co.uk, where you'll find lots more to have a rummage through. I wish you well. Namaste. Oh, could you do